Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day with me, my contributor, none other than the incomparable Sharon Reed, host and commentator, TYT Sports, contributor all-star. It's fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day, well, the DA decided to drop charges, even though the DA admits what happened was wholly criminal. But it's just too hard to prosecute cops these days. I'm going to remind you of the original video and then give you the unbelievable story as to how the charges have basically been dismissed. Here it is. Put your hand behind your back. I'm going to tase you. Put your hand on your back. Put your hand behind your back. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. picture full mass. Let me explain to you why these charges were first filed and now no more. Officials in Texas have cleared the charges against Baytown police officers Samuel Serrett and Teddy Sims, who were charged initially with aggravated assault, for the encounter you just saw with Mr. Kedrick Crawford. This happened back in 2019, during which both cops decided to beat Mr. Crawford and used a taser over and over and over again, a clear criminal violation. The Harris County DA's office said the charges were dismissed after they completed a pre-trial diversion program. You know, I did not know corruption, beating innocent individuals, kidnapping, etc., qualified for a pre-trial diversion program. Well, guess what? Typically it does not. There's more. KTRK News reported. However, both officers 
are barred from working as cops in the state and handed in their license to the Texas Commission of Law Enforcement. Quote, we have sympathy for the victim in this case. They are notoriously difficult to prosecute. That's what the office told the outlet in the statement. Cops are difficult to prosecute. It's important to note that as a result of our investigation, these cops will never again be allowed to wear a badge or disgrace the uniform of a Texas law enforcement officer. End quote. You know, that sounds forceful and aggressive. Sounds like you run things in the DA's office. But the reality is you and your cronies are feckless cowards. If this was an 18 year old black male kid who did something stupid, all of you all in that DA's office would have held a press conference, talked about how you're gonna make an example out of these thugs, prosecuted them to the fullest extent of the law. However, when it comes to um, officers who are violating actual public trust that has been placed inside of their office, authority, job, by way of an oath, you drop charges. A detention officer who was also present, identified as Shane Dunlap, was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He has an upcoming trial date in March, according to Houston Public Media. The 26-year-old is accused of pressing his arm on Crawford's neck during the incident. In July 2019, the officers approached Crawford's car as he was in the parking lot of an AGB grocery store. Upon arrival, the officers questioned Mr. Crawford, who reluctantly agreed to allow them to search the car. Mr. Crawford repeatedly posed the question, what was happening? And an officer could be heard saying that they did not find anything. The body camera footage shows, quote, I've got insurance and everything, Crawford said. What's going on? Suddenly the officer ordered Crawford to put his hands behind his back and attempted to handcuff him. Now remember, you go back to the video, Mr. Crawford says something very legally appropriate. Am I free to go? The officer responds in the affirmative. And when it seems as if Mr. Crawford is about to, well, exercise his constitutional right, that is when the cop affects this illegal arrest and the criminal beatdown. A struggle ensued, the officer slammed him to the ground. Uh, what's going on, Mr. Crawford says in the video. I don't know what's going on. The officer ordered him to put his hands behind his back or he would use the taser. Craw Crawford is seen screaming and saying, please do not kill me. Crawford was eventually taken into custody. He suffered severe injuries to his face, including both of his eyes swollen significantly, bruising. Uh, this is all shown by local KTRK news. He was reportedly charged with assaulting an officer, but obviously that was dropped. 
Following the announcement about dismissing the charges against Sheridan Sims, Crawford openly expressed his frustration and how his view of law enforcement has now shifted. Quote, I feel worse than the night it actually happened. It seems as if they got a better deal than I did. No, dear brother, it doesn't seem as if um, they in fact did. Um, Sharon, all of this talk from the DA, DA's office about, oh, they, they'll never be able to disgrace the uniform again. Yes, they will, because the penalty allows them to be a police officer in 49 other states. Isn't that something? What say you? Well, it's the okie doke yet again, mm-hmm. right? That, that's what they're doing to us. And I will say this. I want to know some things, whether Mr. Crawford was consulted when this deferment was gifted to these criminals. I suspect not, given the yeah. last statement, that quote that you gave to him. But also, Texas has very harsh penalties for gang members. And what I saw was, was a gang, okay? They can prohibit them, you know, in addition to excruciatingly long jail time, they can say you can't hang out together ever again, or else you'll be arrested. Uh, but the DA's statement about how hard it is to prosecute is so ridiculous. It's hard to prosecute because you've intentionally made it. You're the one that has made That's it right. so difficult. So I don't know why you're announcing something that you've engineered. This exactly. is despicable. And that was tough, tough to yeah. hear, tough to watch, Doc. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think the story will develop um, looking for uh, the adjudication via lawsuit. All right, hypocrisy galore. Republican rep who used in vitro fertilization also co-sponsored a bill against it. Now, I'm going to take you through a couple of twists and turns. Put up the picture full mass here. This is per the New Republic. GOP Representative Michelle Steele of California is outraged by the recent Alabama Supreme Court ruling restricting in vitro fertilization, IVF. Yet she supported a federal bill that would have done the same damn thing. Representative Steele tweeted, as someone who struggled to get pregnant, I believe all life is a gift. IVF allowed me, as it has so many others, to start my family. I believe there is nothing more pro-life than helping families have children. And I do not support federal restrictions on IVF. Steele's solidarity with Alabama and IVF patients rings pretty hollow, considering that she co-sponsored the Life at Conception Act, the measure which was introduced first in 2021 with 166 co-sponsors. And then again in 2023, this time they had 124, would have established that life begins at fertilization. The bill has not advanced since. Like the Alabama ruling, the Life at Conception Act would have significantly restricted, if not effectively banned, IVF treatments as well, because it grants equal protection to pre-born humans, according to the report, 
uh, that also includes embryos. Since it's common for fertilized eggs not to survive the IVF process, the act will put doctors at risk of being charged with wrongful death of embryos because the law would interpret an embryo as having rights. That risk will be enough to basically eliminate the industry altogether, fear of liability, etc. And that is exactly what is now happening in Alabama. The state Supreme Court ruled seven to two last week that embryos created through IVF can be considered children now and are thus protected under the wrongful death act of a minor. And since then, at least three fertility clinics have decided to stop operations altogether because of legal liability issues. The University of Alabama at Birmingham's Medical School announced Wednesday that they too are now pausing their IVF treatment program. The next day, the Center for Reproductive Medicine and Mobile Infirmary Medical Center, which was a defendant in the Supreme Court lawsuit and Alabama fertility specialists announced they are also leaving. They are also halting all treatment. The CDC lists a total of eight clinics in the state that provide assistance for reproductive technology services. The question over embryos, which may be kept frozen until being implanted into a patient through IVF, ended up before the state Supreme Court after a clinic employee accidentally dropped and destroyed frozen embryos. Three couples who owned the embryos sued under Alabama's Wrongful Death Act. The court sided with them. Uh, meanwhile, Alabama AG Attorney General Steve Marshall revealed Monday an explosive device was detonated outside of his office building. This happened sat- Saturday, uh, February 24th. No one was hurt. Officials are conducting an investigation per Huff Post. It was not clear from the AG statement if the device exploded on its own or did law enforcement blow it up themselves. Huff Post also noted the incident happened a day after Marshall said. He would not enforce, hear me now, he will not enforce the state Supreme Court's ruling on IVF. Though the AG's office did not connect the two events publicly. While Marshall Steele and other GOP lawmakers have spoken out against the Alabama decision, party leadership is rushing to preserve the GOP supposed pro family reputation. And on Friday, the Senate Republican campaign arms sent a memo to GOP candidates urging them to clearly and concisely reject efforts by the government to restrict IVF. In the memo, the National Republican Senatorial Committee slammed the all conservative Alabama court's decision as quote, fodder for Democrats to manipulate the abortion issue for electoral gain. Once again, a bunch of guys making decisions about what a woman is able to do with her own body. The irony is staggering, right? So a woman does not have the right um, to choose to abort a fetus. Uh, Now Alabama is saying, and and she doesn't have the right um, to aid, to to have a catalyst to bring one to fruition. All right, She has no rights here uh, when it comes to this. Whatever we say goes. Alabama is the same state, by the way. Uh, This was prior to Roe v. Wade uh, being overturned. Alabama is the same state that passed a law so insane 
that literally it gave a woman who had an abortion more prison time than the rapist who may have raped her. That was on the books until it was overturned. It was actually law for a brief period of time in Alabama. These are the kinds of political SOBs you're dealing with. All right, Sharon, you damned if you do, damned if you don't in Alabama. Yeah, and it's on us for even trying to make sense of it. There's no sense to be made when you have people who seek higher office just so that they can get invited and have status at important parties. You know, Miss Steele out of California is married to her husband Sean, who's a national committee member for the Republicans. She doesn't know what she voted for. She didn't read anything because she knows she's not going to have to follow the rules when she needs it. Evidence by her IVF in Alabama, by the way, Doc, as I know you know, is also a state that I think 300 and some 325 maybe prisoners died in Alabama's correctional. They don't care. They don't care about life. But this is the nutty gymnastics they want us to do. It's very hard to decipher, even for yeah. a scholar like you. Yeah, I don't have enough degrees for all that. P. Diddy accused of sexual assault by producer Lil Rod. Put up the picture for a mask. This is a gripping story. Producer Lil Rod, whose given name is Rodney Jones, has now accused Sean Diddy Combs of operating a racketeering enterprise, groping him, forcing him to engage in sexual acts with sex workers and lacing alcohol for the guests in his home, including underaged girls. There's a 73 page complaint, ladies and gentlemen. Quote, throughout his time with Mr. Combs, Mr. Jones witnessed, experienced and endured many things that went far beyond his role as a producer on the Love Album. Mr. Combs required Mr. Jones to record him constantly. As a result, Mr. Jones has secured, hear this, hundreds of hours of footage and audio records of Mr. Combs, his staff, and his guests engaging in serious illegal activity, end quote. The lawsuit not only names Diddy as the defendant, but also his 30-year-old son, Justin Combs, his chief of staff, Christina Corum, Universal Music Group CEO, and former Motown Records CEO as well. All of them in the lawsuit. Lil Rod claims that Diddy forced him to work in the bathroom as Diddy showered, and that Diddy engaged in constant, unsolicited, and unauthorized groping. And touching of his. Hmm. Lerod also accused Diddy of drugging him. This happened according to the lawsuit, February 2023, when he woke up unclothed, disoriented, and in a bed with Diddy and two sex workers. The lawsuit accuses Coram of helping Diddy, quote, to groom him, him being Lerod, into accepting a homosexual relationship. Mr. Jones was terrified of Mr. Combs. He felt like he could not tell him no. 
Mr. Combs consistently made it clear that he has immense power in the music industry and with law enforcement. The lawsuit said it added that Diddy tried to intimidate Lil Rod by showing off his guns. The lawsuit also mentions a 1999 shooting, which resulted in Shine the Rapper, who is now an elected official, by the way, in his home country, of being and being sentenced to 10 years in prison. Rod claims that Diddy said he, in fact, was responsible for the shooting. Keep that picture up for a second. Um, that comes as a surprise to no one who follows hip hop, by the way. Okay. That comes as no surprise to anyone who followed the story back then. According to Jones, January 2023, Combs introduced him to the Oscar winning actor, Cuba Gooding Jr., and left the two alone in the studio on Combs' yacht. He says Cuba Gooding Jr. began touching him. Groping him and fondling him. The Oscar winning actor has yet to respond to these claims. Gooding Jr. has faced multiple lawsuits in recent years for troubling abuse of a sexual nature. Lil Rob produced a portion of Diddy's latest body of work, the Love Album, which was released September 2023, which he says he was underpaid for. In an Instagram post ahead of the 2024 Grammys, Lil Rod said, quote, I'm currently nominated on an album I produced at least nine songs. I should be celebrating, but I'm currently quietly fighting for my publishing for months. The producer also created a GoFundMe page aimed at raising $50,000 for his own legal fees. Did his attorney, Sean Holly, told HuffPost, quote, Lil Rod is nothing more than a liar. Uh-oh. That is another liability charge, more than likely. Lil Rod is nothing more than a liar who filed a $30 million lawsuit shamelessly looking for an undeserved paycheck. His reckless name dropping about events that are pure fiction and simply did not happen is nothing more than a transparent attempt to garner headlines. We have overwhelming, indisputable proof that his claims are complete lies, she added. We will address these outlandish allegations in court and take all appropriate action against those who make them. Um, and I got to say this, if, if attorneys are involved with Lil Rod and they are crafting the actual lawsuit and they say specifically, we have video and audio, okay? If an attorney signs to that, attest to this being accurate. That is a big deal because if that is in fact a lie and an attorney is involved, you can be disbarred. You can lose your entire career for misrepresenting something as a fact and making it a statement of fact in a lawsuit. Diddy was accused last year of sexual violence by four women, starting with Cassie, his ex-girlfriend. It was a damning 35 five page complaint. It was the quickest uh, turnaround settlement I've ever seen. Uh, And others obviously came out against Diddy and his um, alleged um, violent behavior and sexual assaults against them. Uh, This has a lot of twists and turns. I got to say this, Uh, this has been one of the most troubling things 
in hip hop. Having a consensual relationship, that's perfectly fine. This is why, this is why stories like this are so important to tell. You see, you have a person alleging they're a victim. And this is a very detailed report, 75 pages. I did not have time to read it all, obviously, on air. But the details are significant. If there is a tape or tapes, if there is video, if there will be a trial or some level of adjudication, these things are going to come out because they will be part of the public record. All right, Sharon, I know you've been watching this as well. It's a hell of a thing. The arrows keep pointing directly to the same individual with every single story that comes out. What say you? Yeah, and the details seem to be so similar, Doc. And by the yeah. way, you you provided plenty of detail. I think we get it. I don't care if it's a man, a woman. I'm not interested in the pronoun where there's smoke. In this case, Ooh. there does seem to be fire. And I can't think yet of a redeeming quality given everything that we've learned here about Diddy. And my final comment is this. I love hip hop. You love hip hop. It's a for the people, for the culture, all that. But until hip hop addresses some of these best kept or open secrets, we should yeah. call them. I don't really want to hear too much more about anybody else, oppression, the man. We need to deal with something that is going on apparently in our own house that is yeah. despicable. Yeah, it, it gets worse by the moment, um, this saga. All right, we'll bring you updates as they come. We got more on the other side. Indisputable stick and stay. There's actually a California leash law. Let me educate you. Let you me should, educate you. you should. Go back to China. Um, oh, wow. I'll put this on my platform. I'll put this on my TikTok. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm just we being. TikTok too. I'm just. I don't want your dog to get hurt. That this you, is the woman who you called are me not, a bitch when she moved into our neighborhood. You're not putting your dog on leash. A few weeks ago, she moved into our neighborhood. You're and now she's the most leash. hated woman on our block. And then you're breaking Everybody California. Hates you. Everybody you're hates you you're now. You're breaking the and California. And she called me a bitch one And you're a racist. For being outside my house. Stopping Karen. And I'm just educating <laughs> you're you. You're an Asian Karen. You are, and you I'm look just, like one. I'm just, you I'm look like one. You. you look like one. I'm just educating you. Yes, it's oh, free education. Thank you. You are welcome. You are going on whatever you put me on, lady. Yeah, you told actually, me. I, tell me I to go back call. to China. I should. What did you tell me the last time I was here? Go back to your no, country. No, I'm you tell, told me. asking yes, you nicely. Is. You know what she said the last time she met me? She said, "Bitch, go back to your country." So do I have to look Asian to be told go back to my country? You're breaking the. I'm recording the, you too, so, lady. So this is what happened. Did you say something to Jennifer too? This is did something. You? Did you say something to Jennifer behind you? Dad, did you? You, you did should you? put your Jen? dog on leash because you're breaking you? the California law for. You're so unpopular. You're breaking the California law for. We don't want you on this block. On the leash. We don't want you on this block. You're, you're so actually breaking California law for not putting Listen, dog here on leash. There's a police station so up the top I of the am, road. Go up and do what I you want to do. I will come. I will send this video. <laughs> oh my God, you're going to break my camera. A, you're so ugly. I'm not. Wow. Um, there's actually more. Uh, here it is. <laughs> I am 
I'm asking you nicely, but you are you being a Karen. You don't have to ask anything nicely because you call me okay. a P-I-T-C-H. I'm done. And until you apologize, you are, you are, we won't start again. You are breaking California for law for not putting your dog on leash. Apologize, I, am, I said. Do you understand English? I am t- educating you, you, you understand that you are breaking California you law, English? the leash law. Do you understand English? Okay, I'm done Do with you. <laughs> Do you understand and English? I will formally... Do you listen? Do you want, yeah. Right okay. What's you your last name? English? What's your last name? Wong Hong Hai. Okay, you're being a racist. <laughs> this is going yeah, on. Yeah, this is going I'm, on I'm, my TikTok. I am... Com- she make, told me um, to go I will back file to my country and complaint. eat potatoes the last time I met her. Oh. So she's a racist and she calls people bitch. Wow. All right, put up the picture for a mask. Uh, so naturally, the racism runs deep. The substance of the argument can remain the substantive argument. Dog on the leash, not on the leash, you argue about it, debate. But then the racism, do you speak English? Go back to your country, we don't want you here. There's some background to this that I'm going to share. According to Cindy, who posted this, a TikTok user. She says, and I quote, and I want to read this as much as, yeah, I'm going to read a few paragraphs of what she said. She said, it took me some time to decide whether I should share this video on social media because I could potentially lose a client, but I believe this kind of behavior should not be tolerated. Context, I'm a dog walker and I walk a 60 five-pound German Shepherd every day during lunch. On February 7th, as we were finishing our walk, there was a lady with her small unleashed dog standing near the apartment entrance. To avoid any potential incidents, I asked the lady from a distance if she could leash her dog for a moment until we got inside the apartment. Very appropriate, by the way. She refused told me she had been living on the block forever and that I should not tell her what to do. She insisted that dogs shouldn't be leashed. Seeing her irrational behavior, I decided not to engage further and quickly brought the German Shepherd back inside. The video captures the incident that occurred yesterday, February 24th. As I walked the German Shepherd, she approached with her camera and was harassing me. I began recording as well, and she started making racist comments, telling me to go back to China and mocking the Chinese language. She then proceeded to rally her neighbors and fabricate lies about things I had supposedly said. She continued to harass me down the block. A police car happened to drive by, feeling unsafe. I waved down the police car, asked for help. I filed a police report about the incident. And she also told the police she wanted to file a report. She made up lies to the police, claiming that I had made racist comments toward her, despite the video evidence showing otherwise. I am Asian, but I'm not from China. I am an immigrant, but my family and I have been living in America for more than 20 years. This is our home. It deeply hurts me that there are still people out there making such racist remarks. Um, I hate that this young lady had to endure this. Um, Anyone who has to go through 
bigotry and racism. Um, it's a very emotional thing, and it should not be tolerated. Um, so standing against the action allies you with those who have been victim or victims of racist people. Um, Sharon, this was just so extreme. And now that we have context, literally, she avoided confrontation the day before, just decided to go back in, let it go. But she comes out the next day to walk the German Shepherd. And the Karen comes out to confront her now. Yeah, and if you didn't have that context, thank goodness she had the courage to go ahead with the post. You would think, not that it matters, that she approached the Karen to educate yeah. her. But it was the other way around, these right. aggressive rabid Karens, Doc. United States is said to be a leader in exporting petroleum and cars. But what we really are is the leader in producing these Karens. And for all the people who want to blame Donald Trump, who is a racist, misogynist and all those other isms and is whatever. Mm -hmm. All he did was shine a light on what's here. It's homegrown. Mm -hmm. I'm going back and forth in my head wondering, oh, I'm glad I wasn't there. I wish I was there. I'm glad I wasn't there. I <laughs> wish I mm -hmm. was there, okay? And then the slander, the slander is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. This is how, this is how they get down though. Uh, this is like the blueprint, you know. They don't care. They're putting in writing. They'll file a police report, affidavit, swear under testimony. Yeah. Tesla, according to the narrative, purchased 30 or more pies from this black owned bakery. They get to working, right? Well, they lost a lot of money in this deal. And we got questions. I put up the picture full mass, San Jose, California. The Giving Pies, a black owned bakery, accused Tesla of making a large order for a Black History Month event and then canceling before any payment was made, leaving the company holding the financial bag. Vertwangi. Rosa Terranara, owner of the bakery, told NBC Bay Area that the bakery had to shift its employee work schedule and spend $2,000 on that order. For a small business, that is a big deal. That's payroll money. According to KRON4, each pot is carefully assembled by hand in small batches. Despite that, the bakery has managed to put together orders for large corporations like Apple, Google, Intuit, and others. On Valentine's Day, the bakery got a last minute order request from Tesla, 2,000 pies, have to be delivered on Tuesday, the other half on Thursday. So the owner said, hey, listen, we got you, all right? It's, it's a tough order, but we got you. But then the waiting game began for Tesla to pay. After not hearing from the contact, the owner says she reached out again and sent the invoice multiple times to multiple people. Finally, at 9 p.m. Thursday night, she got a call from Tesla. The company apologized for the delayed payment and then asked to double the order. Let's get 4,000 pies, all right? Quote, so I contacted my staff 
And they're like, yes, we can work on Saturday, on Sunday, on Monday. We can get it done. No problem. You know why that staff responded like that? Because they respect the owner. That's why. So she says she sent Tesla a revised invoice because they said double the order. Still, she did not receive any payment. She contacted them multiple times. Finally got a response via text message. Let's put it up. Sorry to bother you again, but I'm a small business. I don't have the luxury of infinite resources, so I really need to be paid so I can secure my staff. I received a message back that was like, hey, so sorry. I don't think we're going to need this order anymore. And quote, the owner had turned down other orders because she didn't have capacity. Already purchased the resources, the ingredients, the boxes, the stickers. When the story went viral, Elon Musk posted on X, just hearing about this will make things good with the bakery. People should always be able to count on Tesla trying his best. Uh, he, he's a robot, uh, obviously. He has no actual emotions. After she posted about it on social media, she says Tesla saw it and reached out. Quote, they said they wanted to make it right uh, by me, and they offered uh, for me to do two events. On March 6th and March 7th, but I'm still waiting for confirmation. She said, if they want to make it right, I'm going to give them the opportunity to make it right. Ma'am, ma'am, I'd rarely do this. I'd rarely do this. My opinion, you need to sue their ass. Damn that. They're telling you they're going to make it right by making you work again? You already worked. Your staff already put in the time. You purchased the materials. Uh, they came. They worked. What? So they're going to make it right by giving you another job, giving you another opportunity, giving you another chance. Ma'am, you are a sweet, beautiful soul. These people are playing you. Understand, this is a billion dollar corporation. This uh, boils my blood. I'm sharing, I, I know you see the game they're playing. When people show you who they are. Yep. Yeah, that, that, and you're right, a sweet, decent, High making, lovely lady. I need you to have an, a conversation with her. She probably is a fan of the show. She probably watches, but there can be no, <laughs> big companies cancel and don't get pay it. Mm. You pay it. And I want her to change her policies too because of yep. rogue people like this. I don't know if Elon wrote that tweet because I think you're right. He's a robot, but this is so easy. Come work easy again. This it's is unbelievable. Uh, I want you to talk to her, please. I know you're busy, but no, if you I, I will talk to her a hundred percent. All right. I mean, I see pain and suffering and everything here. All right, Sherrod, we got more on the other side. Indisputable Stick and Stay. There's a walkout because of the death of next uh, Benedict, who, by the way, uh, could have been protected by those in authority, but was not. Uh, I'm gonna go to this footage first and give you the background, here it is. 
What happened today? I got jumped. They came at me. They grabbed out of my hair. I grabbed onto them. I mean, got me on the ground, trying to be in the me. Newly released school surveillance cameras show Benedict in the cafeteria with classmates, then walking into a bathroom where Benedict says a fight broke out. They had said something like, why do they laugh like that? And, and mm-hmm. they were talking about us in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so I went up there and I poured water on them. Okay. And then all three of them came at me. Shortly after, a faculty member rushes into the bathroom. Later, Benedict is seen walking to the principal's office and then out of the school, escorted by their mom. The next day, Nexus mom calling 911, telling dispatchers Nexus having trouble breathing. I love the picture. Per NBC News, Owasa, Oklahoma, at least 40 students at the high school walked out Monday. The protest, what they described as a pervasive culture of bullying with little accountability. These are the children showing adults what they should do as adults. The non-binary student who died on February 8th, a day after being jumped in a bathroom on the school's West Campus. Per updated reports, friends of Nick says he preferred he, him pronouns, which he used at school. He also used they, them pronouns, which his family used. Initial reports also mistakenly identified him as a member of the Cherokee Nation. Um, Sue Benedict, next mother, later clarified per the independent, their heritage traces back to the Choctaw Nation. Per the body cam footage from police officers, you see the interview with Nix, he described how three students jumped him after he threw ward on them because they were bullying him and his friend over the way they dressed. Nix's mother, Sue Benedict, previously told the independent Nix faced bullying due to his gender identity. In the video, the officer can be heard telling Nix and his mother uh, and his mother Nix could be found to be at fault for the incident as he started it. The officer also dismisses the bullying, saying that, uh, quote, freedom of speech means that you can say mean, hurtful things all day long, and you got to let it roll off your shoulders. He also said that if next had not poured the water on one of the girls, he would have been a true victim of an assault and battery, end quote. Let me give you background on what we know about the attack. February 7, 2024, a Benedict and another transgender student were involved in what Owasa Public Schools OPS called a physical altercation. In a statement, Sue Benedict told the Independent that during the fight, Benedict was attacked by three older girls, beaten so badly that bruises formed around his eyes and hit his head against the bathroom floor. An anonymous tipster. Who claimed to be the other victim's mother told local news station KJRH that at one point, 
one of the girls was pretty much repeatedly beating his head across the floor. The tipster added, next couldn't walk to the nurse's station on his own. And staff did not call the ambulance, which amazes me. In the body camera footage, when the police officer asked next if he ever reported the bullying to the school, next said, quote, I didn't really see the point in it. A Watson students told NBC News that Nexus answer is common among their classmates. LGBTQ students and others who face bullying due to their identities feel like when they report the bullying to the school, they either aren't believed or nothing really changes. Put them up. Owasa Public Schools Assistant Director of Communications, Brock Crawford, says students attend an assembly at the beginning of each school year. That includes the processes and procedures they should follow to report bullying or other safety concerns. All reports are investigated by their respective school administrators and then reviewed by the district's director of safety and security. End quote. Uh, the district student conduct code prohibits bullying, which includes a pattern of harassment, intimidation, threatening behavior, physical acts, verbal or electronic communication directed toward a student or group of students that results in or is reasonably perceived as being part of the intent to cause negative educational or physical results for the targeted individual or group. And is communicated in a way that would disrupt the school's educational mission. Owasa Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Margaret Coates and the high school principal Tiffany Cooper, in order to meet the definition, policy states a reasonable person should recognize whether such actions would harm another student, damage another student's property, place another student in reasonable fear or harm to the student's property or insult or demean any student or group of students. Keep the pictures up. What that policy is basically saying is contrary to what the communications director has said. Communications director says, well, it's up to the students to follow the protocol for reporting. However, the policy says it's up to the educators, the administrators, the faculty to recognize them. What is the status now of the investigation death? On February 21st, Owasso Police Department released a statement saying that while the investigation and reports are still ongoing, quote, preliminary information from the medical examiner's office is that a complete autopsy was performed and indicated that the descendant did not die as a result of trauma, end quote. OPD declined further comment until toxicology and other testing results are obtained, writing only that the full autopsy report will be available at a later date. Those reports can often take up to six weeks. Understand the fix is in. This is why they are slow releasing information that benefits a narrative that they tried to paint from the beginning. Nothing happened here, nothing to see is freedom of speech is on you, you caused this trouble on yourself, etc. The independent journalist and Think Progress founder, Judd Lingham, criticized the OPD statement on X the following day. Quote, if the police will not release the autopsy report, why are they releasing partial paraphrased information? Noting that the OPD statement was phrased almost identically 
to the OPS statement issued the day before prior to any autopsy information. According to new data from the Rainbow Youth Project, an Indiana-based nonprofit that provides LGBTQ mental health plus mental health crisis counseling via the National 988 hotline. The crisis hotline reported that calls from Oklahoma had increased 300% after Benedict's death. RYP told KFOR this week they received 349 calls from Oklahoma between February 16th and 20th. Prior to Benedict's death, the hotline only received an average of 87 calls per week from the state. 69% who called said they were specifically experiencing the stress about Benedict's death. 85% said they are also experiencing bullying at school or online. 79% feared for their physical safety. More than 10% were students or parents of students at that same high school, Owasa. Um, let's keep that picture up. You see, that is a human being. If you're a person of faith or spiritual individual, you also know that this is a soul. Spirit. I don't understand how people can equivocate their disdain for a lifestyle or a personal decision to death. I don't understand this. Um, no one in authority is treating this with the level of seriousness it deserves. I mean, you're teaching children it's okay to become killers. What the hell? Sharon, there's one of the sad stories I've seen this year. What say you? Can't look at that sweet face. None of this had to happen. Angry, disgusted, unempathetic adults are to blame. Not the non-binary student, as the officer was blaming, as the school district and everybody else is blaming. Dr. Michael Bodden, Dr. Spitz, someone needs to get on this case and do another autopsy here and never let it go, okay? They're teaching hate. And I believe if they were empathetic to this beautiful student, this wouldn't have happened. Right. We all know, we all see it. All right, we'll bring you updates guaranteed, many will come. Um, okay, there's a school teacher who has now apologized because the teacher did belittle students online. I'm gonna take you to the original video, update you with the apology, give you the background, here it is. So basically what we're saying is nobody in this class has a, um, understanding of shapes. I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, five out of 33. Five out of 33 have a concept of shapes. We're talking squares, rectangles, uh, triangles. That's all we, it's literally, we haven't even gotten to the next. <laughs> oh my God, we, even haven't, we haven't even got to the hard shapes yet. We're, I haven't asked y'all to pull out a calculator. I haven't asked y'all to Multiply, I haven't asked y'all to add, I haven't asked y'all to subtract, I haven't asked y'all to do anything but identify shapes. 
What shape is this when you cut it in half? What shape is this when you cut this in half? No, 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 no. I'm just, just hush, just hush, just hush. I literally have not, this is the first question where they ask y'all to calculate the area. Mind you, if you're paying attention, books with the answers right on them. This is not even a try it question. This is an example from the book. And only five people can give me the answer out of 30 something people, out of 30 something kids. And again, nobody's asking y'all to calculate, <laughs> multiply, divide, add, subtract. I ask y'all to identify shapes. And we can't get 13 year olds to identify triangles, squares, and rectangles. This is literally the only class all day who cannot identify shape. So tonight for homework, I'm gonna need you guys to draw shapes. All right, um, I'm going to play his apology in just a moment. But teach, I got some homework for you. If you're ever teaching a class, you got over 30 students, only five students get the lesson that you're teaching. Uh, sir, you are the failure, not the students. No way in the hell that over 30 of your students don't know what to do, and you're the teacher. Okay, that's an indictment upon yourself. All right, here's the apology. What's up, y'all? Let me make. Is it is it safe for me in here? Weekend has been pretty crazy. Um, I've been pretty busy, booked with daytime TV, advocating for our youth per usual. Um, and y'all know what happened this weekend. We, I wanted to take the weekend to read y'all comments, you know, take some constructive criticism um, and not just respond just to be combative, you know, not just responding back to what y'all have to say. I wanted to take some of that feedback in. You know, there's always room for growth. Like, no matter what, there's always room for growth. So, first things first, I want to go ahead and apologize. Mm, yes. Ooh, not apologies. You can't never tell somebody how you made them feel. You know what I'm saying? So, I if my tone and how I was talking made you feel a type of way, I do apologize for how I made you feel. That was never my intention. My intention is never to be condescending and rude. I literally don't even hear it. I just be talking sometimes, but I do apologize. Second thing, I feel like y'all more so have an issue with me and my tone and demeanor than the actual issue that I'm showing y'all in real time. I am actually quite literally on a daily basis showing y'all how far behind or how big the gap is. And you could say, teach them, teach them, teach them, teach them. It don't work like that. We still have our own curriculum to get through. So how can I go back four years and expect them to get fluency like that and then try to, t on top of that, add on, it just, it does not work like that. So have your issue with me, have whatever issue. I, that The goal was to never be like, have your issue with me, but let's not, just, let's not ignore the message that it's actually being shown to you in real time. But it's a little crazy to me. We are currently living in an era right now. There's a viral trend going on where parents are locking their toddlers into bathrooms so they can curse and do this, this, that, and the third. But it's baffling to me is that we will take the time and the energy to set up a camera for our kids to curse into them, but we have not read to them. We have not worked with them. We have not pulled out a book with them. You know what I'm saying? It, that's baffling to me. Ah, man, you know, brother, I think it would have been better if you just apologized, left it at that said you can move on. I want to say this to you. I, I heard your point about you're teaching a different curriculum. Uh, they have to know a certain curriculum by the time they get to your classroom. I've been a teacher a long time myself, so I understand that. In situations like that, because it does happen, you have to then go back to whoever was supposed to teach that student properly and give that teacher some of the energy you gave those children.
because those children are there to absorb from the teacher. So the energy, while I understand the passion, completely misplaced on these youth. All right, um, teacher and rap artist Marquise Bryant was in hot water after posting a clip of his math class on TikTok. Um, and um, share with the world how his middle school students do not know how to identify shapes. So he thought this was a good idea at the time. Uh, the exercise in the class, a textbook on solving problems that involve cross sections, given uh, gives examples that says, quote, you know, quote, a truck needs a metal divider that separates the refrigerator part of the truck from the dry goods. What should the uh, divider uh, look like and how many square feet? Will the metal divider be? Uh, and you saw the rest of it there. Another person wrote uh, on Instagram, quote, imagine how a student feels looking at the comments under his post calling them dumb. And how unprofessional it is to record yourself berating and shaming kids for being struggling learners. Uh, and, and I would say this brother is struggling with wisdom. Why would you ever do that? All right, so Sharon. Um, why is it that I get the feeling that he needs to go through yeah. some teaching himself? Yeah, um, the reason 15% is uh, the only number of students who could identify certain shapes is because he's talking down to them. And I suspect he's mm -hmm. not the only one talking past them. Kids will shut down when they know you don't really care. You're making yep. fun of them. I originally thought, Doc, until I listened so closely to your analysis that perhaps a child, you know, surreptitiously recorded that. No, this is the teacher. I know a shape that all the kids in that class could have identified. Egg, as in their <laughs> egg-headed teacher who's very ignorant and doesn't even know how to apologize. How about I'm sorry? It's not your failure. It's our failure. We'll fix it. That's I right. apologize. That's right. Well said. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you. Check out your great work. Rebel HQ, I appreciate being on TYT so much. I love Indisputable. And thanks, Doc, for having me in the Black Network. And more to come. So more I just to come. appreciate being here. Thanks, Doc. Well, we love you and we appreciate you as well. All right. We got more on the other side. Bullpen is next. Stick and stay. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Women, 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 women. We have on the program investigative reporter from Raw Story who wrote this amazing piece, great investigative work about how neo Nazi groups are training children. For race war, basically, in the United States of America. Uh, Mr. Jordan Green, we appreciate you being on the show. Um, it was a very tough read for me, um, but I know it's necessary yeah. for us to know. Uh, how are you, sir? Doing good. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Richie. It's really good to be with you. It's good to have you, man. Um, let's first start with uh, What's happening inside of these neo-Nazi groups and how did you gain such significant access to be able to document all of this? Well, what's happening is a lot of um, online radicalization. Um, 
adolescents, teenagers, white boys who are uh, feeling alienated from society and getting radicalized by others who are older and then in turn radicalizing younger uh, people. And um, they are are steeped in this toxic uh, internet culture of um, gore and uh, uh, racism and violence and then they are encouraging each other to um, commit crimes and propaganda vandalism to prove their commitments and escalating to more more violent activity. Um, um, I gained. You're asking how I gained access. So yes. Um, so uh, they they organized on uh, Telegram, a encrypted social media app, um, and uh, I. Um, gained access to basically lurking on their channels uh, under a sock account and just uh, watching and making screenshots and taking note of who was most active and um, and watching for biographical details that they dropped about themselves. What kind of activity or activities are they being encouraged to do? Um, so it starts with like putting putting up a flyer or just doing some graffiti, but um, you know, obviously, uh, spraying a swastika on an underpass is a lot different than throwing a brick through a synagogue window. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that it would escalated to in Pensacola, Florida, in July of last year. Um, then similarly. Um, spray painting anti-Semitic vile uh, graffiti that targets uh, specific community members in, in another incident in New Hampshire. Uh, and once again, this is an article exclusive in Raw Story. Uh, inside the neo-Nazi hate network, grooming children for a race war is the title. Uh, some of the actions obviously are uh, directed, very specific, very targeted. Uh, we have rules or laws now in certain states that enhances the penalty of an adult enticing a minor to do a particular criminal act. Uh, can you talk about the connection or perhaps the disconnect between the adult faction of these neo-Nazi groups and them telling minors to commit criminal activity? Yes. Um- I mean, there is like quite a bit of communication between the teenagers and older racist skinheads. So they're getting quite a bit of encouragement from the older skinheads. And sometimes the older skinheads will say, don't do something stupid like write the name of your group on the brick you use to smash the synagogue window. And I have talked to one, uh, you know, most of the members of 2119 are under 18, but I did talk to one member who's 34 and actually has children the same age, same age as these kids. And um, it, it was interesting. He told me that he's like very uh, kind of careful not to cross that line um, of uh, spray painting graffiti on a specific prop, uh, private property or directed at a particular person because uh, it's basically a finable offense if you just do it on a highway underpass. Um, but these kids are promoting this activity and using it in propaganda videos and encouraging other um, teenagers to commit crimes. Um, 
You know, this is the same blueprint and methodology that terrorist organizations utilize. It's a propaganda dynamic. And in the process of the propaganda, they have to dehumanize the other group or groups they are Absolutely. encouraged to go after. So talk to us about that dehumanization process that you have witnessed inside of these encrypted rooms. I mean, that's where the gore video go, uh, gore images go. I mean, pictures of um, uh, black men being killed by the police, um, pictures of um, people who are victims of mass shootings. And it is really uh, designed to, just as you say, desensitize the kids and allow them to dehumanize their opponents and, and condition them towards towards violence. And repetitive uh, use of the N-word, um, they use it in directing towards each other as young white men um, and, and other racial slurs as well. How long did you stay uh, in your investigative mode for this story? Um, well, um, I started kind of keeping tabs on it last uh, or December of 2022 and kind of off and on just logging um, all these incidents where the group's name was used and then kind of putting them together, but really kind of intensely working on it from early November on onwards. How extreme on a scale of one to 10, and, and I'm asking you this because you have a perspective that 99.9% of the American population will not have. Scale of one to 10, how dangerous is it? They are, are a seven, I would say. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, the types of activity that they're engaged in, I do define it as violence um, and it is an attack when you when you throw us a, a brick through a window where um, of a house of worship where people are sitting and eating dinner, that's an attack on on people and it's a hate crime. Um, but they are kind of geared up to becoming much more violent because they express admiration for uh, mass shooters and they talk about their admiration for attacks on uh, the electrical power grid and they uh, promote like a paramilitary aesthetic and they talk about themselves as being in a war. So um, the, uh, you know, say there's a seven because they're not engaged in extreme violence, but they um, are, are seeming to have ambitions towards that kind of extreme violence. In the commentary and the indoctrination, what are they saying about black people? Uh, what are they saying about uh, brown folk or, or members mm -hmm. of the LGBTQ community? Because naturally, uh, there has to be uh, this rhetoric uh, to keep the dehumanization part uh, present. And then secondly, there's a lot of hypocrisy in neo-Nazism. Uh, one of the primary ones is that many of them subscribe to Christian ideology. Did any of that come up in these rooms? Mm, two very good questions. Um, so, you know, they they hate all of the groups, and um, their ideolo ideology is organized around the idea of hating Jews the most, and uh, conspiracy theory that uh, Jews control the world and are 
currently controlling the United States government. Therefore, they have to overthrow the government. They, um, they, you know, despise African Americans and see them in the same way that they see immigrants and Muslims as they see them as pawns of a Jewish conspiracy. You know, I would mention that they also defaced the Martin Luther King monument in Concord, North Carolina, and um, they espouse a lot of uh, a false uh, claims about black crime and, um, and, and, and to kind of reinforce their idea or their drive towards racial separatism. Um, yeah. And I'm sorry, your, your second question? Um, so of Christianity. Yes, the hypocrisy of their movement it, it is always laced with some level of, mm-hmm. of Christian evangelical um, doctrine. While at the same time, racism and violence. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, the leader of 2119 actually, uh, just until about a month ago, went by a nickname of Constantine. And so a lot of them embrace um, or kind of cloak themselves in the guise of Orthodox Christianity. Um, but they, the white supremacist movement as a whole, they're split between, uh, you know, a fake religion of Christian identity, and then others are kind of into like a Nordic heathen heathenry, um, and others are into Satanism. And uh, being, you know, teenagers, they are like all teenagers. They're kind of casting about for an identity, and they try on all these different kind of religious identities. Um, and they're, you know, they're very inconsistent about it. But the main thing is the white race before all else. You know, I got to ask you about law enforcement and potential involvement because mm-hmm. I, I, I got to say it, dear brother. If if these were black children engaged in this kind of activity, the conversation would be about gangs, how we got to make an example out of them, how we have to break this up, how we got to stop this from happening, etc. DAs would hold press conferences, sheriffs would say, not in my town, governors would talk about how they're tough on crime, but none of that has been the reaction yet. So have you seen or has anyone from law enforcement contacted you to say, we want this information? You're absolutely right, they are a gang. I mean, they operate as a gang um, and they're a national security threat uh, to, I mean, if if you look at their larger aims. Um, From, I don't have the inside view of law enforcement, but from what it looks like, they are uh, investigating it as a local uh, vandalism, albeit with hate crime enhancements. But to date, I haven't seen any indication that they're investigating investigating them as an organization operating across state lines. Um, so that is a concern and I guess to be, to be de- determined. Um. Even though these are, a lot of them are children, right? A lot of them are teenagers. Uh, did you hear rhetoric about uh, them supporting Donald Trump or being Trump supporters in general? Um, yes, they tend to support Trump. Um, although they are from the accelerationist uh, tendency of white supremacy. So one of their tenets is no political solution. So they, um, which inherently is violent. Um, they want to overthrow the United States and they don't see really a purpose in elections. 
Um, I do think that, as with other right-wing extremist groups, they're going to try to exploit uh, polarization and division over the presidential election. And um, so, uh, you, you know, they're kind of all over the place. And as with other white supremacist groups, sometimes they kind of tongue-in-cheek embrace the Democrat, thinking that that will uh, radicalize and motivate uh, people who are kind of attuned or receptive to, to their message. I have to point out the irony that their ideology is affixed to a non-political solution to basically overthrowing the government as we know it, okay? Mm -hmm. And then a few years ago on January 6th, a group of individuals attempted to do that very same thing, subscribing in action to the ideology that they are talking about in writing. What's the correlation with those two groups? Um, the correlation is that um, you know these group twenty one nineteen the teenagers they really see MAGA as the baseline, um, mm. and they want to see it move to move beyond it to something more violent. Um, I mean, I really think of January 6th as not a um, kind of peak experience for them, but as as the baseline, as I said. I concur with you. I said something very similar. Uh, this is a great, great piece of investigative work. Uh, inside the Neo-Nazi Hate Network, Grooming Children for a Race War by Jordan Green, investigative reporter. <clears throat> Raw Story, uh, we got great friends at Raw Story. Love Raw Story. Uh, I read Raw Story damn every day. So thank you for this. Uh, is there is there some what's part two, man? I mean, you you documented so much here. What, do you do you try to get some more insight? Maybe connect the dots even even deeper. What do you want to do next? Well, I mean, there white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacist movements are shape shifting. Um, yeah. So they will change their name and. Just look for uh, places where people are networking to deprive others of their their civil rights, and and watch how they kind of glom on to more mainstream movements and manipulate the dialogue. I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Great reporting, Jordan. We appreciate you, dear brother. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Dr. Ritchie. Take care. You too. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.